0: today on Ag News Daily.
1: The old rule of thumb is you can always find product a price. You can always find something that price. And I always want to go back and say, listen, we'll, we'll find it if we're willing to pay it now. But it, then it becomes a matter of, is the number so ridiculously high that it just doesn't work for a farm?
0: Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and happy Wednesday here on the Ag News Daily Podcast. Ashton, it is hump day and we are through the hump of the week now.
2: We sure are Delaney, but it feels more like a Monday to me. I took a melatonin last night and I don't know why I continue to do this, but even if I take it at like 930, 10 o'clock, I'll still be dragging through the morning the next day. So I was not doing good today. I could not get myself to get out of bed. So I'm moving a little bit slow today. That's okay. We're going to lighten you up today on the podcast. I hope so. I wanted to make myself feel like I was actually a person. So I put a little bit of makeup on, even though I just do everything from home and I put on an outfit. So I actually feel productive. (laughs) So that's just where I'm at this afternoon. Okay, good. Getting dressed is good. Good job. (laughs) I know it it doesn't seem like a big feat, but when you are melatonin tired, it's a whole different ballgame. Well, okay. That actually poses a good question, Ashton. Uh,
0: because I'm just curious what other farmers do. Because I walk Blaine, I watch Blaine walk out the door sometimes and wonder to myself, what in the world is he wearing? You know, like you'd think you're gonna wear long pants and steel-toed boots. And sometimes he's walking out of the house in shorts and flip like slide sandal things. So I'm curious for those of our listeners that are farming right now in harvest season, what do you guys wear in the cab? Are you trying to wear clothing that is efficient for if you've got to fix stuff or you're trying to wear clothing that's comfortable since you're going to be sitting there all day. Hit us up on Twitter at Ag Daily. I'm curious to see what our listeners wear, Ashton.
2: Well, sometimes I do have to admit Delaney that when I'm not feeling that great, I do work in my muumuu all day long. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully
0: none of our listeners are wearing a muumuu to go harvest in, but hey, if you're doing that too, hit us up. We want to know.
2: Oh, Bonus absolutely. points, I
0: guess, if you could send us a picture.
2: <laughs> well, Delaney, I'm not sure if I would want to see any farmers in their mumos. That might be a little bit scary. And, and you know what? We're kind of in spooky season right now. Halloween's just around the corner. But I am a little bit worrisome about what weather is going to look like on Halloween because with the La Nina weather pattern, it's looking like through the month of October, we're going to have some warmer weather. But as soon as November hits, we are going to be. Feeling like at least that we're in the dead of winter, and it's been rumored that Texas is going to have another polar vortex situation going on this winter. So I'm not too ready for that. No,
0: that's going to be a little chilly. So, Burr, good luck with that. I hope we don't get that up here in Iowa because that was not a pleasant winter. But actually, Ashton, while you're on the topic of weather here, folks in the south eastern portion of the united states uh this was just released today on the national weather services twitter account folks in that portion of the united states are expected to get some pretty heavy rain here or continue heavy rain really which is going to push several areas into flash flood warnings now i just talked with an oklahoma livestock producer on the What which will air on the podcast next week. And he was sharing that in his part of Oklahoma, they've gotten like 35 inches of rain. So definitely a lot of rain coming in to that portion of the United States going to be tough for that portion to get harvested. Definitely going to push some folks out of the fields and uh, could be quite some
2: inclement weather for some time to come. Well, Delaney, not talking about weather here, I have some news from a report. This report is called the U.S. Beef Supply Chain Issues and Challenges, and it's a result of a collab with Texas A&M's Ag and Food Policy Center, national experts, and the USDA It covers meatpacking concentration, fed cattle pricing, and capacity concerns. And the North American Meat Institute is saying that this new report finds that government interaction in the cattle industry will cost livestock producers billions of dollars. One of the key findings in this study, and it's 180 pages, so if anyone wants to go read it, they totally can. Although I'm just going to skim over this article to kind of get all the information that we need here. But it's saying that the mandated minimum negotiated cash trade would have a one year negative impact of $2.5 billion and $16 billion over a decade. The authors of the report say that they urge, quote, extreme caution when considering changes to a system that has, quote, rewarded high quality beef production while acknowledging regional differences. Like I said, this report is 180 pages, so I did not go and read through it. But it sounds like some of these findings are a little bit worrisome for our cattle producers.
0: Yeah, that's a, a little concerning there,
2: Ashton. I mean, it's a ton of money, $16 billion over a decade. Uh, that's very worrisome. I said a little bit worrisome. It's pretty, w- very worrisome.
0: Mm-hmm. It certainly is. That's definitely a story, again, we're going to have to keep an eye on here. But uh, this has been a longer ongoing story that we've really been watching, and that's been the cost of shipping. You know, we've seen a lot of port issues this year, especially with Hurricane Ida. We've seen a shortage of cargoes and containers, and we've seen really COVID and on covid related just issues within the supply chain. But port officials within the Port of Los Angeles say that strong American consumer demand has continued to be unabated for more than a year, as the Port of Los Angeles has seen a 30% increase in cargo volume so far this year alone, which is impacting U.S. agriculture as we're seeing some record-high shipping rates. And that's also coupled with the fact that, you know, as we know, a lot of containers are being shipped empty or having issues getting to the place they need to get to to have products put into them. Uh, The Los Angeles Ports executive director says that they've processed more empty containers in August than they ever have before. And this has increased the overall cost of shipping costs in general, which of course, in turn, have made exports and being competitive in the global marketplace a little bit more challenging. Uh, now, he also said that American exports in August at the port were down almost 23% from last year at this same time. So it does appear the trend is maybe fizzling off here a little bit. But overall, it's just pretty interesting, as we see things continuing to try to move around the country. And Ash Ashton- and I got to admit, I haven't checked Hurricane Ida updates in quite some time. I know we've obviously been restored fully with electricity and whatnot down there, but I have you seen anything yet as far as total damage coming out of Hurricane Ida and or if our exports down in that port are back up to 100% capacity? Because I've not seen anything on that.
2: I haven't either. I've seen some estimated numbers that we talked about. I mean, quite some time ago, it feels like a, a, about two weeks, I think, is the last time we really talked about those numbers. So it makes me think that we don't have that information slash it's not up to 100% yet. I feel like we would have heard something about it if that were the case.
0: Well, that's what I thought too. Yes. So we might have to do a little digging there and see if, in fact, that is the case.
2: Well, Delaney, I have a story about Taiwan here as U.S. President Joe Biden said yesterday that he has spoken to the Chinese president about Taiwan and they agreed to abide by the Taiwan agreement. Biden appeared to be referring to Washington's longstanding policy under which it officially recognizes Beijing rather than Taipei and the Taiwan Relations Act, which makes clear that the U.S. decision to establish diplomatic ties with Beijing instead of Taiwan rests upon the expectation that the future of Taiwan will be determined by peaceful means. So there's been a lot of discussion about what our relationship is with a lot of those Asian countries, and so this is just kind of the latest movements that we have seen
0: there yeah that is definitely been a big point of contention Ash is beijing taiwan does china have the authority to negotiate on their behalf do we have the authority to negotiate directly with them there have been some human rights issues extend to that as well so definitely a lot to unpack there
2: Absolutely, there is Delaney, but I just have one other story to talk about here today, and it is coming out of Britain, we've been talking about labor shortages and those kinds of things over there, particularly in their pork industry. But it looks like it's trickling over into the dairy industry as some British dairy farmers have been forced to destroy tens of thousands of liters of milk due to rising costs, labor shortages, and a deficit of truck drivers, which has strained supply chains to a breaking point. So this is just another thing that's really hitting our producers over in Britain. Definitely not um, a good thing for them. I suspect that they will see, I I say suspect, I am wondering if they will see some kind of government aid or what the next step is for them to really get the ag sector kind of back up and running again.
0: That's a good question, Ashton. I certainly don't know the answer to that. I'm going to have to do a little digging there as well. I don't have a lot of answers today, if you can tell.
2: Well, that's okay. We were just talking about how it feels like a Monday to me. So I don't have those answers either. It's just kind of a weird kind of I don't know day. Yeah, just a little bit. But one thing I do know, Ash, is how come it's markets traded for today? What do you say?
0: We take a look at those. Let's do it. Fantastic. And actually, I lied. I have one other quick piece of news here as we hop in. Well, two pieces of quick news here as we hop into the markets. This is kind of market related. We saw a lot of farmers last year in counties due to weather events, mostly, um, as well as other events that uh, saw some pretty significant yield loss. And farmers in those counties have just recently announced that we will see additional payments under the ARC County program this month. Payments go out apparently here in October. The Farm Service Agency. Or ARC County and price loss coverage, as well as 3.8% or so of acres are enrolled in the ARC individual. Payments are going to be made now for crops harvested a year ago, and payments will be paid on an 85% of the acres for that commodity. So you've got any questions? Do contact your local FSA office. They'll be able to make sure you are getting paid on that if you are due some payment there or if you are in a county that had disaster issues. But Ashton, as we hop into the commodity markets for today, I also wanted to mention one more we don't touch on a whole lot on the podcast, but definitely should, is crude oil. And we've seen those crude oil prices act off early session highs today, but inflation concerns are causing prices to remain at some pretty high levels. We also continue to see fertilizer prices at some record high levels. Uh, up to $800 today. We're going to talk about that here coming up in just a moment. So we won't steal too much of that headline there. But Ashton, we certainly saw some weakness today in the grain markets. And with that, I'm going to
2: kick things over to you to chat markets. Well, today in the corn contract, the December down five and a quarter cent to close at 532 and a half, the March down five cents to close at 541. In soybeans, the November down eight and a half cents to close at twelve forty-two. The January also down eight and a half cents to close at twelve fifty-two and a half. In spring week, the December up fourteen and half cents to close at nine forty. The March down twelve and a quarter to close at nine twenty-eight. Heading over to livestock. The live cattle seeing some strength here in the October up a dollar to close at 123.82 and a half. The December up 37 and a half cents, close at 128.22 and a half. In feeder cattle, the October up 70 cents, close at 156.80. The November up a dollar 25 to close at 158.12 and a half in lean hogs red across the screen here as we look at the october contract down a dollar 35 to close at 89 62 and a half the december down 82 and a half cents close at 81 72 and a half rounding things out with our class three dairy milk futures the October down six cents close at 1815 the November up eight cents close at 1864 with that I'm going to go ahead and kick it over to our conversation with Josh Linville talking about what's going on in the fertilizer industry
0: Well, folks, we've been teasing this up now for just over a week or so. And you've might've seen a thing or two on Twitter in the news and uh, across various social media platforms about the increasing cost of fertilizer. We're going to unpack that today with the director of fertilizer for Stonex, Josh Linville. And Josh, you've been very active on Twitter here over the past couple of weeks. And that's really how we initially found you and were able to connect with you to do this interview. But thanks for joining us today.
1: Hey, absolutely. Thanks for having me on.
0: And Josh. Gosh, it sounds like you've been doing a couple of these interviews just now and then. Um, so I think you're going to be primed up for today's discussion. But let's take a few steps back because this fertilizer cost increase isn't something that just happened overnight. It's something that's really been building here for quite some time. Can you give our listeners a little bit of a backstory as to how we got to the prices we're at today?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. Every single fertilizer product has had a different route to where we are today, but everything has ended up in the same place. Extremely high prices. Uh, A lot of the stories started last year with the Doricho event. Uh, Prior to that windstorm that went through and knocked out a lot of the corn acres, farmers were talking about, I don't have enough money to cash flow my farm next year. I'm not going to buy fertilizer for a very long time. Corn prices were not good. They were sub $4 a, a bushel. So. The outlook was extremely bleak. And of course, the fertilizer prices showed that. We were near historically low levels. Well, all of a sudden, the derecho event happened, and grain prices just started to skyrocket. And then we also had COVID checks that went out from the government to the farm gate. And that was a huge cash influx. So all of a sudden, in a very short amount of time, the fertilizer market was planning on very little demand in the fall and had to pivot a complete 180 to everybody saying, not only do I need my normal application rates, I actually probably need to increase them so I can maximize my yield to take advantage of the corn price. And that's really what set the whole thing off. That was the basis for taking us off of the bottom and running to where we are today. Now, since that point, you know, the phosphate market has had to deal with countervailing duty case against imports. It dealt with a phenomenally large fall and spring run which emptied inventories. Hurricane Ida, of course, uh, shut down some production. We lost several hundred thousand tons there. And then we've also got global issues with China exports being slowed down by the government because they're wanting to keep those tons home for Chinese farmers. So that's a lot of the road for phosphate. Uh, nitrogen, nitrogen really cemented in, it's less to do with fertilizer, more to do with this global crisis has been going on for energy. European natural gas prices are up to $40 of an And 80% of the cost of urea, for example, is natural gas. Asian natural gas prices are higher. Chinese exports have slowed down, and they're one-third of world production. So just we could continue to go through all of these different situations, but it just seems like if we have to surmise 2021 to just a very short statement, it's the year of black swan events. Everything that could go wrong has been going wrong.
2: So there are a lot of moving parts going on right now. And obviously you just identified a ton of them, but there's been some extreme recent spikes. So what are some things that we can pinpoint here recently within the past couple of weeks or so that have really caused these intense spikes in fertilizer prices?
1: Yeah, on the nitrogen side, a lot of it is going back to the energy situation. Uh, You know, like I said, you're seeing European natural gas prices spike and there's a lot of production there for nitrogen. Uh, Asia is seeing a very similar thing. Uh, China, you look and there's been a few reports out there talking about blackouts all across the country because they are suffering from a lack of electricity, a lack of energy. And fertilizer represents energy. And so you've got these areas that are struggling. And that means that fertilizer production is going to struggle. Europe alone has seen a lot of their production there slow way, way, way down, if not stopped completely. The plants that are running are actually having to rely on government subsidies because they need like in the UK, for example, they need the CO2 output for their livestock industry, but it, we're suffering. Our input costs have gone up tremendously, and the fertilizer market, while it has risen rapidly, has not kept pace with the input costs. So production shuts down, supplies get tighter, prices shoot higher.
0: Josh, I think you're alluding to this really nicely here for my next question, but the big one I've seen floating around on social media and in talking to other farmers is the concern that quite frankly, we're not going to have available fertilizer for next year's growing season or potentially even this year for maybe some fall application. Is this rumor, is there any, I guess, justification to this rumor? Are we going to see a fertilizer shortage?
1: The old rule of thumb is you can always find product at the price. You can always find something at a price. And I always want to go back and say, listen, we'll, we'll find it if we're willing to pay it now. But it, then it becomes a matter of, is the number so ridiculously high that it just doesn't work for the farm? Overall, though, you know, we see a situation with UAN, for example, a lot of retailers are going out there and telling the farm gate, I'm sorry, I do not have a price for you. And the farmers are pointing the the finger and saying, oh, they're messing with us. They've got the product. They just don't want to sell it to us. They're waiting for the price to go up. I'm here to tell you, the producers of UAN are so tight, they have not been selling. It's not a matter of you going to them with a price or just not willing to pay the price they're offering. They are not offering tons. And when they do, it's very, very little. UAN is one that's really starting to concern me on whether or not producers will be able to fill all the tanks across the country and across the continent before next April. Phosphate's another issue. Uh, if we haven't killed very much demand, our imports are down, world supplies are down. We came out of spring very, very empty. There's a good chance we are gonna struggle to get resupply by the time we get going here in less than 30 days. Um, one of the nightmare things that we haven't been talking about that I think is gonna become a more common discussion point, logistics. We've already seen the river suffer. We've seen some low waters, which has shut barge traffic for a couple days. We know that rail is unreliable at best, most times, and trucks, good luck finding them. There's not a lot of truckers that are out there anymore. Most of them have gone to Van and Amazon and places like that. They're not hauling the bulk product anymore. So logistics is one of those things that has been steadily degrading over the last several years. This might be the year where all of a sudden we find out we've kind of hit that breaking point and there just isn't enough to go around.
0: Yeah, that, and that's kind of the scary thing here that... As you talk about or talk to producers, they're worried because yes, commodity prices have increased in value tremendously from last year at this time, but does it justify the high prices we're seeing right now in fertilizer? And so I think the big question is, how do you make this cash flow and what do you do if prices are at such a substantial level that quite frankly, it doesn't make sense to buy it? You know, How do you... Walk that fine line. What advice are you sharing with folks right now?
1: Take emotion out of it. It's very easy because we have gone from near historical lows to almost historical highs. You look at the nitrogen sector. We are we are within striking distance of hitting the highs that we hit in 2008. And it is so easy to just sit there and let emotion take hold and just say, nope, not going to do it. I'm not going to talk to my supplier. I'm not going to talk to my retailer. I'm just not going to do it. That's not the right answer. Now, maybe ultimately it is, but letting emotion dictate that answer is not the right way of doing it. That puts you in more danger than you might know. The best thing I can do is sit down, work through your number, and every single farm, every single farmer, every single area is going to have a different answer of what's right and what's wrong. And you have to decide, can I make this cash flow? Do I need to look at switching from corn to something else? Do I need to change my application patterns? And they're all right answers as long as you think through it and decide that the best for my operation. The other thing I can tell you is whatever you decide to do, have a conversation with your supplier. If you've got a retailer or a co-op that you work with more times than not, you should be having a conversation. If you go to them and you say, I don't need it, I'm not putting anything on this fault. Well, that retailer is sitting there looking at the same economics. They're looking at prices that are ridiculously high, and they don't want to take the risk either. They remember back in 08, prices went sky high, and then they completely fell out of bed. There were a lot of managers who lost their jobs or a lot of companies that had to sell because they lost so much money. They don't want to repeat the sins of the past. Not that the markets will do exactly what they did back then, but they're just going to make sure that they don't. So if a farmer sitting there saying, I don't need it, there's a very high likelihood that if you show up November 1st and say, hey, where's my product? it might not be there. Mm. So that's not to sit there and say, you need to buy it today, but at least have the conversation. You can have the conversation, say, I will probably put it on this fall, but I just can't buy it yet. Or I'm not going to do it. I'm going to wait till spring or I'm going to change this. Or I'm going to change that. This is at least the year. And I understand a lot of farmers are very skeptical of sharing their information, but this is the year to have a little bit more of a partnership with your retailer than what you've had in years past.
2: Josh, like you said earlier, there's just been a lot of series of black swan events here, and we've had a pretty crazy year. Can we see the craziness kind of subsiding? Is there going to be any kind of top in prices in sight? What do you think is going to happen over the course of the next few months or weeks?
1: I keep sitting there thinking that eventually the black swan events will stop and then something else pops up. So I've given up trying to sit there and say they're going to end. If, like I say, if you were to condense all of twenty twenty one into something, it's black's one of it. It just we've got three more months of this, so I would hope that eventually things will calm down, these events will stop, we'll go back to whatever normal used to be. I can't remember at this point, but yeah, at some point it's gotta it's gotta slow down, right? We cannot continue to have these types of situations go on.
2: I would sure hope that there is an end in sight, but you're right. Things just can't keep happening one thing after another. So as we kind of follow along with the rest of the year, where can our listeners follow along with you just to get their fertilizer updates?
1: Uh, so we've got some information that we put out, you know, we put out a newsletter once a month where we try to detail what's happened, some of the price directions, things like that. Of course, trying to put a lot of information on Twitter, um, when I came back from my role in Australia, I had a choice. I could have gone back into the old trade role and there would have been nothing wrong with that. But it's always bothered me that you, if you're in the fertilizer industry, there's not a lot of information and for a lot of farmers, that information is really hard to find. Right? So it's one of your biggest input costs per acre, but you can't find any information to make a purchase decision. And so that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to kind of lift the veil, give everybody more information. Ultimately speaking, it comes down to your decision and you're not always going to be right, but at least you'll know more of the backstory of why things are doing what they're doing so you can make the best decision at the time.
2: Absolutely. Well, Josh, we certainly appreciate you coming on and chatting about fertilizers with us. It's been a great conversation.
1: Yep. Thanks for having me on and hopefully we can do it again and there won't be so many crazy things going on to have to talk about.
2: Absolutely. (laughs) Thanks again there to Josh for coming on and chatting about fertilizers. He, when we were messaging, kept calling them ferts. So definitely appreciate him getting us up to date with the fertilizer terminology and the things that are happening in that sector right now. Hopefully, like we mentioned, there's going to be some kind of end in sight, uh, light at the end of the tunnel, hopefully, but we will continue to update you as that moves along. So if you want to stay tuned for those updates, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Ag News Daily. With that, I'm going to let the people go.